trigger warning. Some people may find topics discussed in this episode difficult. Please proceed with caution. and welcome to episode 11 of the Frankie Files. Today's topic is about sexuality in cults and mind control. Have you ever wondered why abusers, religious cult leaders, always use sex to control their victims? I have, and I'm a survivor of such behavior. They especially love to hunt and corrupt the virgins. But why? Yeah, the obvious reason is to get sex, because they're pedophiles. But I know it's much more than that. Much, much more than that. I was manipulated to service several members, and I was forced to do lesbian sex activities when I was naturally a straight person. Let's start with stating that, like rape in war, These are acts of war, acts for the purpose of domination and control, not just for getting sex. Let's start with this article I found by David McDermott. I think his points are very astute. The website is called decision-making-confidence.com. Sex and Mind Control. The Details of Sexual Mind Control by David McDermott. This guy was a plastic surgeon. He got burnt out. And then he left to study neuro-linguistic programming. Hmm. So he says, so how does the sex and mind control thing work? Psychopaths have been compared to chameleons in that they blend in with the people they're with. They very quickly make friends pretending to be like the person or people they're with. Having the same interests, being very understanding, etc. Whether this is in groups, as in a cult, or in a one-to-one relationship, the results are similar. There is idealization of the psychopath by the victims. The psychopath encourages this adoration, and the victims often consider that the person is a fantastic partner, enlightened, superhuman, and so on. Psychopaths manipulate people's emotions and recognize that sex and mind control are a powerful combination. If they can convert the relationship into a sexual one, they begin to have much more control because the person has opened themselves up in a much more intimate way. A sexual relationship is also a more committed relationship, blinded by emotion. Sex and mind control are a potent mixture used by psychopaths to build strong bonds with their victims, and frequently the victims report that after a honeymoon period, things change. The psychopath knows that their control of the victim is sufficient, that they can now begin to do whatever they like. Their real nature begins to show up. Everything from heavy drinking, extramarital affairs, emotional abuse, physical violence, rape. The sex becomes for their gratification only or to demonstrate their superiority. Sex and mind control is also used in many cults to maintain control and manipulation of their members. Remember that many cult leaders are psychopaths and the doctrine and rules are in a reflection of them and they typically have irregularities in their sex lives. Cult leaders realize that controlling people's sexuality can give them a lot of power. 
Changing the beliefs and values about sex is another way to destroy an individual's limits and boundaries and keep them within the group. I would like to add that once you follow the group leader into a path that you never would have done sexually, you also experience humiliation and self-loathing. So they know that this is something that can make you turn on yourself. He says, the results of sex and mind control. The combining of sexual mind control is never good for the victim. Whether it's in a cult or a one-to-one relationship, such as therapist, client, or teacher-student, the imbalance of power means that there's no informed consent and therefore it constitutes sexual abuse. Any benefits that may have existed at the start of the relationship are contaminated. Sexual relationships between those with power and those in their care are never justified. When undoing mind control, those who've suffered sexual abuse have special considerations. They may have amnesia for traumatic events. They may initially deny it or not want to discuss it. It's often only after some period of recuperation that they're ready to deal with it. Some researchers suggest that people who have suffered sexual mind control may suffer from the following effects and that they may be acute, delayed, or chronic. Ambivalence, contradictory feelings towards the abuser, rage, and thinking they are nice people. Guilt, about betraying or exposing the abuser, as well as taking all the blame for the abuse. Emptiness and isolation, they're so dependent that they feel a loss when no longer with the abuser. Sexual confusion. Contradictory thoughts and feelings and beliefs. Difficulty in trusting others. They got it very wrong once. How will they know in the future? Identity and role reversal. The victim's identity and well-being may be entangled with that of the abuser. Emotional lability. Sudden, unexpected emotions, which can be very intense. Suppressed rage. Victims of sex and mind control may have had to deny or hide their anger. There may be deep-seated rage, which has once been suppressed for a long period of time. Depression and suicidal risk. Irrational guilt and shame and anger at the abuser turned against the self can lead to depression and suicidal thoughts. Cognitive dysfunction or attention, concentration, and memory, as well as flashbacks and intrusive thoughts are very common in those recovering from sexual mind control. Confronting the experience and working through them is important to reestablish one's own identity and develop the ability to have healthy, intimate, and sexual relationships once again. Don't be caught. Sex and mind control are a powerful combination. The mind control allows a sexual relationship to develop, and once it becomes a sexual mind control, the level of power and domination by the abuser increases tremendously. And on this website, he also calls for people to share their experience. That's great. I'll be reading that site more. Uh, It's called decision-making-confidence.com. I recommend it. So the author recognized that there's a special power in conquering someone's sexuality, a much higher access to them, and a higher and greater level of control. I think it's even more if you're a virgin because you haven't developed your likes, dislikes, and sexual relationships at all yet. You're a canvas ready to be painted on. But for me, I was painted on by a corrupt totalist who had the worst intentions in mind. I think that the humiliation of knowing you've been dominated 
is a part of their power too. It's very hard to recover from humiliation, especially sexually. When you're in a position where you can't say no, where a leader has control of a group and you're told what to do sexually, you are numb and stuck there. Here is an example. This one is from the Mormon Latter-day Saints Church in Salt Lake City, Utah. In 2017, Newsweek published a story that broke on a sex abuse case. Mormon cult leaders were indicted for demanding sex of underage girls almost daily, threatening damnation if girls did not participate. Note, I I really relate to this. I was told so many stories in preparation for my sexual abuse. I was told sexual ritual abuse was required of me by the cult leader. Of course, this was away from my parent secretly. That including telling me what clergy to service sexually, bringing me no enjoyment. I became a good actress. Spiritual death was threatened in kind at the same time. I was also in a location that I couldn't say no. No transportation, no quarter for the phone, and there was no cell phones. A lodge in California mountains. So I understand Now back to the LDS church case. The girls were 8 to 14 years old, and one girl finally came forward and reported it to authorities. The report included that they demanded sex acts five to six days a week, and they were filmed. It's got so many benefits, doesn't it? Cult leaders demand sex, control our sexuality for the following reasons. One, humiliation. Two, sex for members that are demanding it usually higher-level church members who are gifted younger people to play with. I went through that with multiple authority members in the church. Three, video which could be profited from and enjoyed by other pervs. I'm plagued with unanswerable questions on if I was filmed. Who saw the films of me servicing the clergy? Spooky stuff. Since the abuse spanned three to ten years and involves possible drugging and tons of amnesia, It's hard to get the truth. So the LDS young women in the church were driven to a second location with bags on their head. At the location, they picked a number and were told to do sex acts with who they were assigned to. This was five to six days a week. In this case, tapes were shared by members. Total sex slavery. The Frankie Files. check it out. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to start a podcast. It has all the tools in one place that you need right from your phone or computer to edit and publish your podcast. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listing platforms such as Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started now. I'm using it right along with you. They were threatened that God would destroy their family if they didn't comply with the sex ritual. In my case, there was amnesia surrounding trips to second locations, including Escondido and Crestline, California. I get it. There's no choice. These are acts of war. They know how to create the fear and isolation so the victim does not say no. So we know churches use their authority over members to get sex. But it's so common I had to examine more on this. This is personal. 
God has lorded over us. So the act of abuse is incredibly violating and incredibly intimidating at the same time. It's usually by coercion, not always by force. You're being told to do these things by someone you know and have a lot of contact with way before the incident. But part of it isn't even about the sex itself. It's about the control. I want to draw the correlation to rape being part of the spoils of war throughout history. Another great article I found by a survivor who went into studying these topics at Minnesota University was by Alexandria Stein. She wrote on this topic at Aeon under essays. Aeon.co. Aeon is spelled A-E-O-N dot C-O. That's where I found this essay. All right. Alexandria Stein wrote, Leaders will isolate you, destabilize your identity, then consolidate their new submissive identity within a rigidly bound new network. Hitler and Stalin were totalists who destroyed public and private life based on loneliness. Alexandria learned in a class about totalitarianism. The class was taught by a survivor of the World War II Holocaust. He had been in Buchenwald concentration camp. The teacher at University of Minnesota named Kleiger articulated why people become passive in the face of totalitarianism. If the situation is strong and isolating enough without any clear escape route, then the average person can cave in to the traumatizing pressure of brainwashing. She uses the term extreme social influence, which can corral and corrupt even the most ordinary individual. So that's an important point. The environment has everything to do with us complying or not. The whole story convinces us the leader is in charge. But it's a process for the leader to get that control. It's not immediate or random in some parking lot. It's in the environment they control that they do the setup. Since we're social sexual beings, telling you what to do sexually gets immediately to controlling you. In the cult I survived called Morningland Church, the leader would often turn people against their natural sexuality. If they were gay, they would be told to sleep with the opposite sex. If they were straight, they would be assigned to the same sex. If they were married, it would be broken up, telling members they were on different spiritual levels. It's clear to me that from the beginning of time, having sexual control over someone has been used by religions. Take Judaism. It makes men get circumcised, and only those people who had the surgery in the eldest part of their religion were allowed in the church. Religion tells people not to use birth control and so many other rules. In Hinduism, there's an entire book called the Karma Sutra on sexual positions. Here, Hare Krishna was attended on by the gopis, who were like his wives or sexual servants. This stuff is as old as time, folks, and we as humans are clearly suckers for it. So I can see how it might have started. Let's say it was centuries ago and people were having bestiality and a leader wanted them to stop doing that because it's disgusting. Well, they made it a religious law and told people God said so. It was so effective that it became popular. Controlling us sexually is the ultimate control. Because we're social sexual beings, whether for fun or procreation, sex is a part of ourselves and our life. Now, another article written by Leigh Carroll from Brainwashing to Sexual Assault 
Netflix Bikram documentary takes you inside yoga's most infamous scandal. And this was 2019. The documentary about Bikram lays out the ways in which Bikram and a small group of insiders created a system that enabled his abuse to remain a secret until students finally began to break ranks and come forward with stories of rape, assault, and homophobia. In 2016, amid several legal judgments against him, Bikram fled the country. While his victims wait for the day they can hold him responsible, the guru continues to operate yoga studios in India. A powerful examination of the dynamics of power, money, and trauma The film shines a light on a villain who hid in plain sight as a healer. Bikram, yogi, guru, predator, started streaming on Netflix November 20th, 2019. Probably not still there. Not sure where that's available. So that's the conclusion of that article. So it's not just Catholicism, which has a world reputation for sexual assault in the church. Many religions of India also have it. Bikram shows how the sex abuse was all wrapped up in adoration for him as a spiritual leader. This is part of the cruelty. Once you start looking up to and adoring someone who promises you spiritual evolution and growth beyond this life, you open yourself to their perversions. But that is certainly not the disciples' intent. But we can see that the situation is as old as time. When are we, as humans on this planet, going to see that anyone who says they're a representative of God or the Almighty or Allah or Buddha or Krishna can also be full of shit. Some people use money to get sex. Some people use religion. There's not much difference. It's about power. You, each of us, have energy and we have a choice who can take that energy. We decide who our energy empowers and who we give it to. Though unseen, sexual energy is a commodity too, as real as money. How do you feel after you've had sex with someone you love and trust? You feel good. You feel whole. You are glowing. You feel nice. Okay, now replace that with the energy of a predator. How do you feel after you had sex with the predator? I can tell you directly. You feel confused unsatisfied, because they don't give a shit about you, invaded, burgled, robbed, like withdrawing, and you feel a sense of loss that you need to recover from. It's not just physical. The loss of energy is real. The spiritual sexual predators, these religious criminals, take and take and take and conquer whoever will let them. My new mission is to simply put a steady stream of information out into the world that we have to guard ourselves and future generations from being mined for our energy and goodwill. To reinforce to people and educate that these energy vampires exist. And it's very real. Those of you who've been abused and are listening, think about the gaping wound that's left for you emotionally after being sexually molested. Even if you were told to be with someone and the leader wasn't involved, it's theft. It's disgusting stuff. At least a prostitute gets paid. They just took it from us. And all because we wanted to improve ourselves spiritually. Chasing the human potential. The fact is, we didn't sign up for that. But we also didn't know the master or leader or pastor was looking right through us. They feel they own us. And possession is nine-tenths of the law, right? But also, it's as old as time. Let's face now that religion has enabled most abuses on women. 
the whole Bible story about women being made in man's image, that we tempted them into evil, is a way for them to blame us. But my abusers weren't just men. They were women, too. Women are just as capable of using religion against us sexually and dominating and owning their victims. It's a genderless crime. Now, this one's from ryuc.info. ryuc.info. The most powerful way for an external individual to control and manipulate another through sexuality is to create a mental programming for an individual where the inner masculine controls the inner feminine or the inner feminine controls the inner masculine. In either of these two cases, the individual will never realize that the external person is the one ultimately controlling, for they will be facing an ongoing inner struggle and never realize the cause lies external as a result of what the mind has come to think and believe. The problem with using sex as a weapon of manipulation and control is that neither the masculine or the feminine wins that sexual control. It's only when the two masculine and feminine can each be totally true to who and what they are, and then join with its opposite who is similarly free to be who and what they are, will balance and harmony be obtained and a space of oneness established. This occurs both internally within the individual and externally with another. Until then, the masculine or feminine giving in to the other will damage both themselves and the other. The one attempting to control the other will only further move themselves into separation and create a sense of lack and unfulfillment within one's being. Some ways sex is used for control and manipulation. The conscious use of sexuality for control and manipulation. The conscious use of sexuality as a weapon and control is to be aware that an individual or individuals desire a sexual experience for whatever reason. Then to use that desire to control and manipulate the individual to do particular types and kinds of acts. All mature humans will have a desire to procreate to some degree. Societies and families exert tremendous control over their members to determining who can procreate with whom and when and under what conditions. Anyone who can control with whom another procreates has tremendous power over the individual. It needs to be realized that desire to procreate goes to the essence of our human life and what it means to be a human being. To continue the species, there's a natural drive that arises to procreate. To control that drive is to get control over the essence of the individual. This side note, this really goes to the heart of why a religious leader would immediately try to control the sex of someone. It's to control the person's whole being. It's only natural that there will be a rebellion when another attempts to exert the control. The way around this rebellion is to get sufficient control over the individual before they sexually mature and or establish a sufficient programming or pattern of habits before sexual maturity that keeps the basic instinct to procreate under control of the programmed mind. Mm, well said. Now you know why religions go after virgins. Clean slate, right? You can create who you want. Individual manipulation and control is about 
what we want as opposed to giving the individual what they need to be free to grow and unfold. Many generalities can be made about what man wants and what a woman wants. We can study creation to see what the masculine aspect of creation really needs and how it performs and what the feminine aspect of creation needs and how it performs. But regardless of all that can be said, the issue is, does what we think and believe about sex and how we allow ourselves to respond to life allow us and any other to grow and expand in the fullness of who and what we are? Or do we stifle ourselves and or the other? It really doesn't matter what we think and believe and how we choose to act or not act relative to sex and sexuality. The issues is do we or do we not create freedom for both our creative spirit and that of the other? To allow ourselves to grow and unfold at the expense of the other is control and manipulation. Only when both ourselves and the other are free to unfold have we removed control and manipulation. Here we need to pull the string on why we do what we do and be very honest to see if we're creating a space of growth or captivity. Narcissists and sex, the biggest manipulation and controlling tool. Do you know that narcissists often use sex as their biggest weapon? Sex is one of the biggest ways narcissists manipulate and control the rest of us. Many people mistakenly believe narcissists love sex. Actually, that isn't true. They're not even especially promiscuous. In fact, many narcissists are downright prudish. People with borderline or histrionic personality disorder are much more likely to be promiscuous because in their minds, sexual attention is equated with love and acceptance. Narcissists don't love sex. Sex is merely a tool they can use to get what they want or to control and manipulate their victim. There are two kinds of narcissists, cerebral and somatic. While very different on the surface, at heart, they really aren't very different at all. Neither has any empathy and neither has any desire to emotionally connect to another person and will go to great lengths to avoid it. This means neither a cerebral or somatic narcissist is capable of making love to another person because making love implies an emotional connection to someone else. Cerebral narcissists, sex is never an expression of love or emotional connection because love and genuine emotional connection are things all narcissists avoid, like the play, and are incapable of anyway. Sex with a cerebral narcissist is likely to be cold, machine-like, and lacking in spontaneity and emotional expression. The other partner is bound to feel frustrated and unfulfilled, and of course, the narcissist could care less. A cerebral narcissist may also withhold sex as punishment or to control their partner. Here we see how someone views sex as one more tool in the arsenal of control. And control is the name of the game in cults. That's what it's all about. If you see how most religions include instructions about how to conduct yourself sexually, you might start looking at it from a different perspective like I do. Let's think about how doctrines were created from ideas of men, mostly men, let's face it. Either way, religion, which runs rampant and free in America, gets away with telling people what to do sexually. That's the beginning of a religion, meddling in your sex life, telling you what's right and wrong. In extreme cases, it turns to abuse and ritual abuse, where you're told it's a ceremony, a lesson, it's a spiritual initiation, 
a training session. It can be filmed without your awareness. Let me be the one to tell you that it's okay for us as humans to scrutinize the way sex is discussed and put forth in religion. It's time we analyze this from a clear-minded perspective instead of one assuming it's absolute law, instead of conforming to the propaganda. Religion and cults take advantage of someone or many someones who simply want to live a righteous life and one free from sin. So simply in being interested in what choices might be best for us spiritually, we have opened ourselves up to manipulation. I'm not suggesting we all become fetish fiends looking for the next sex experience on the edge. Nor am I suggesting that we become spinsters, though in the pandemic it's difficult not to with social distancing in play. But the number one thing I want to get across in this particular podcast is that sex can be and is used as a weapon by many, especially in religion. It's the same old thing. It's the same old thing when it comes right down to it. Authority and figures of authority have decided sex is intrinsic in control. They set a target they want to acquire and then begin taking all of them, sex included. Why? Because a corrupt spiritual leader, a totalist or psychopath, sees no boundaries. Controlling you and making you subservient has no limit. They must devour you in your entirety. Then on to the next one. They devour our energy in the exchange. They're true vampires. What do they get? The power to control people. In turn, from that control, they get money, free labor, free sex, addition to their charismatic stockpile, knowing they successfully fooled someone into thinking they're attractive when they're in fact an abomination, seeking full control of anyone and everyone they can. It's not special. There's no love. It's just an act of aggression. The owning of sex slaves, which I was one, doesn't make me special. It makes me convenient and lining up with the sexual fetishes of a few people. It's circumstance and opportunity lining up with skills of a psycho that made it happen. We must free ourselves from this type of cycle. One, by using conscious living, being aware that there are predators who use sex as a weapon, and simply committing to not participating in this type of behavior. Thanks for listening. If you would like to see more information about the podcast, please visit frankiefilespodcast.com. If you would like to leave a reply to be aired on the next podcast, please see anchor.fm forward slash frankie-tease. There you can record a comment to be included on the next podcast. Thanks for listening. Until next time. The Frankie Files.